For episode 13 of Flying Podcast, I'm still up in the York area on my way to meet Phil Howard of the Gyrocopter Experience. Uh, last year, when I was down at the Splash exhibition, I uh, noticed there was a huge amount of interest in gyrocopters and made a mental note to track somebody down for an interview. So here we are on a beautiful sunny day at Ruffeth, just to the west of York, to find out uh, exactly what the fuss is all about. Uh, I'm at the Gyroport uh, Rufford Airfield, home of the Gyrocopter Experience, with uh, flying instructor Phil Howard. Good afternoon, Phil. And good afternoon. Uh, first of all, what is a gyroport? Well, if you take an aeroplane, flies from the airport. And a helicopter flies from a heliport. We fly gyros, so we fly it from a gyroport. And uh, Rufford is the first registered gyroport in the UK. OK, and obviously the next question, what's a gyrocopter? Absolutely. Well... <clears throat> A gyrocopter, when you look at it, looks a bit like a small helicopter because it's got rotors. Now, the big difference, of course, is a helicopter has an engine which turns those rotors. In a gyro, it doesn't. Now, we do have an engine, but the engine's connected to a propeller in exactly the same way as it's connected to a propeller in an aeroplane. That gives thrust. Now, in some ways, a gyrocopter is a cross between a helicopter and an aeroplane. OK, and how does it fly? Well, when you control it, it actually controls exactly the same as an aeroplane. It's got a stick, it's got pedals, it's got a throttle, and they're exactly the same as flying an aeroplane. The difference, though, is you have to think like a helicopter pilot. In the air, it's very, very similar to an aeroplane, but it has to be different for takeoff and landing, and especially your thinking in the event of an emergency. Okay, um... Speaking of emergencies, people have said to me, ooh, gyrocopter's not very safe. How safe are they, Phil? Well, we actually believe that a modern gyro is the safest form of powered aviation. You see, the Achilles heel of an aeroplane is the fact that it can stall if you lose your airspeed. And if it's a bad stall, you could get a spin. Now, a gyrocopter doesn't have to be moving forward. Our wing is rotating, and that means that we cannot stall. And if we cannot stall, we cannot spin. We can do zero airspeed. There's a misconception as well that a gyro cannot glide. People say, hmm, not a very big wing. If your engine fails, you're doomed. That's not the case. We can glide with the same glide ratio as most of the flexwing microlites. The big difference, though, is the landing roll. We have a landing roll of about only five feet. This means we can get into fields much, much smaller than a flexwing microlight and certainly a lot smaller to light aircraft. People say, well, what kind of size of field do you need to land in? We say we can land in about the area of a tennis court. Of course, if you take the net down. We do, however, require the area about the size of a football field to take off. OK, but you can't take off vertically? Uh, no. Um, again, although it looks like a helicopter, that's one of the limitations. We can't take off and land vertically. Now, we can fly at zero airspeed. We don't have to be moving forward. Well, surely that's a hover. Actually, it's not a hover because if we're doing zero airspeed, we will actually be descending. We can't sustain level flight at zero airspeed, and that is the definition of a hover. The slowest we can fly is generally about 35 miles an hour to stay level. That, of course, depends on the actual aircraft, the weight of the passengers and the air density at the time. Um, are these sort of just get yourself up in the air quickly or can you actually tour in these? 
Oh, touring. Um, we can certainly tour. Uh, the gyros we fly a range of over four hours. We are based in York. Uh, last year we flew to Spamfield, which is on the Isle of Wight, big festival. We did that on a tank of petrol. I regularly fly up to Scotland to meet the family. We're cruising, I don't know, 80 miles an hour. The new machines, which have just come out, of a top speed of 125 mile an hour and a 100 mile an hour cruise. Now, that's about 85 knots, and that rivals most of the light aircraft like the Cessnas. So it's absolutely a touring machine. Now, gyrocopters have been around for quite a long time, haven't they? But the ones I've seen at uh, airfields tend to look fairly Heath Robinson, things that people have knocked together in their own garage. Uh, what's the state of play nowadays, modern machines? Well, that, that was the case. The kit-built gyros is where we grew up. Uh, but what happened is three years ago, everything changed. Up until three years ago, if you wanted to fly in a gyro, you needed to build one. Now, that's changed. We now have factory-built gyros. The first one was the MT-03, of which there's now nearly 60 in existence just in a couple of years. The difference now is you can now train, you can buy an aircraft, and you can fly it without building it. Now, what does that mean? It really has meant that the market has really opened up significantly. The type of person that now is involved with gyros is completely different from the type of person that was involved in gyros, say, three years ago. It is absolutely the fastest form of um, sport aviation. It's growing faster than anything else. Demand is absolutely huge. The gyro industry has to grow up, and it has to grow up pretty fast. Is that where the gyrocopter experience comes in? Uh, yeah. Uh, we run a company called the Gyrocopter Experience. It was created by myself a couple of years ago just to help market uh, gyros in the UK and, and spread the word that there's been a gyro revolution. What happened is a number of existing instructors, we got together to pool our resources in marketing and advertising, basically to try and make it easy for the general public to find out about gyros and to actually fly in one. Now we currently have four locations, York, Oxford, Preston and Lincoln, and we expect to be another three locations later on this year or early next year. It is really exciting. What we've found is that by, by working together, we've created a bit of a web-based gyro community. We can get lots of information from the web in one place. We can do online bookings. Uh, and that, of course, is at gyrocopterexperience.com. You can also get my latest book, uh, which is called Flying a New Generation Gyrocopter, which gives you all the briefing information, answers all the questions you need if you're converting from an existing licence into, well, how do, you actually, how do you actually fly a gyrocopter? Uh, if someone like myself who flies a fixed wing, or let's say someone who's coming to the sport from a flex wing microlight, what sort of training would be involved? Okay, well, again, it's all minimums. Uh, the licence you get for a gyro is a separate licence from anything else. It's a PPLG, G of course, for uh, gyrocopters. And it's a 40-hour minimum flying. Now, you said you had a, a fixed-wing licence. That means you get 10 hours of credit, so it's actually 30 hours of training you will require. Now, if you'd come to me and said that you had a helicopter licence, that would be reduced even further to only 20 hours 
as a minimum. Now, in all of those, you have to do 10 hours of solo and you still have to do your two navigation navigation exercises. Uh, these figures, you know, 30 hours, is that enough? Well, in my experience, these minimums are actually quite realistic. I would say the majority of my converting uh, students are doing 30, 35 hours. Very realistic. And are the exams the same as the PPL? The exams are the same as the NPPL, with the exception, of course, that there's no aircraft technical, it's a gyroplane technical. Um, where can you train currently in the UK? Well, that is one of the issues. There are only about eight flying schools in the UK and there's only two of us that actually do it full-time. So realistically, there are only two full-time gyro flying instructors in the UK and, and that makes it a bit limiting. All the other instructors are part-time. However, that said, what we've found is that in the gyrocopter experience, we put some effort into sharing training notes through our web-based system, and we actually find we can uh, get students through a lot quicker by sharing them between the different instructors. Now, you have to be prepared to travel up and down the UK. If you want to get it quick, we can do you know, a week in York and then do, say, a three days in Lincoln, a couple of days in Oxford to try and uh, get everybody through as quickly as we can. So it's a bit tricky but we're getting there and it will get better as time goes on. It's quite unique, isn't it, sharing the, uh, the training experience between uh, these different sites? It absolutely is. I mean, traditionally, uh, we're all competitors. You're all flying instructors, applying for business. However, there is so much business at the moment that actually it's all about getting uh, students through. In order to do that, the only thing you can do is share training notes. And the advantage of that is that students can log on to the website and see their own training records. And that's pretty novel in the UK industry in any of the uh, aviation-type flying schools. Okay. Uh, going back to safety, uh, something that's mentioned to me in the past, if I've ever mentioned to my flying instructor, well, that looks interesting, going up in gyrocopter, they always mention uh, dangers of PIO, which is pilot-induced oscillation, uh, and the high accident rates that gyrocopters have had in the past. Comments on that? Ah, uh, well, there you go. You're not the first person to ask that question. Uh, that is what happens. People go, gyros, uh, you wouldn't get me in that. Uh, now, let, let's just set the record straight. Early gyros, okay, remember, said earlier, generally kit-built. Now, although they're based on the same plans, they're all one-off and all built by amateurs. Secondly, by design, you're flying a disc and you had a, a bit of a pod underneath it that had no aerodynamic properties at all. The result was, it's what we call dynamically unstable. Now, dynamically unstable, what does that mean? Okay, you're flying along, and you're going to hit a gust of wind. It's going to happen. In a traditional older gyro, if you hit that gust of wind, it would uh, lift the gyro, and it would pitch the nose up, and the pilot would be responsible for dampening out the oscillations caused by gust. And it would come across you a bit of a shock. Oh, I've got a gust. You would react. And typically an inexperienced pilot, i.e. a student pilot, or somebody with low hours, they would over-control. And they'd be thrashing the stick forward and back, and you would get into a wave-type oscillation. Now, if you're in that kind of oscillation, quickly up, nose up, nose down, you could get negative G. And in some instances, what would happen is negative G would cause the rotors to hit the tail 
and you would uh, effectively have a fatal accident. Now, that is in the past. Now, why can I say that? Right. Three years ago, the CAA initiated some research into gyros and they produced a standard called Section T. Now, Section T aircraft or Section T gyros must be dynamically stable. They said you can't have a gyro that doesn't conform. That means it must self-correct in the wind and it must be stable in pitch. It cannot oscillate. Now, what's happened is now you get a factory built, so we no longer have all the one-off kits. They're all coming out exactly the same, and they conform to Section T. We have engineered out the problems. It was all to do with centre of gravity, thrust line from the props, pitch, pitch stability, all this kind of technical stuff that meant it wasn't easy to fly. In a modern factory-built gyro, it's virtually impossible to get PIO or negative G. You could get it. If you talk about it in fixed wing terms, it's about the same risk as going into a stall and then a fully developed spin. To get a fully developed spin in a modern aircraft, you really have to try hard. It's exactly the same in a gyro. You would have to be flying really stupidly to get into that part of the envelope. It just doesn't happen with modern gyros. Now, we had a bad reputation to contend with, and, that, and that's one of the problems for us in industry. But people are coming on board, they're beginning to listen to what's changed, they're beginning to see it, and the machines look absolutely fantastic. Gyros really are everything that everyone ever wanted from flying. And we hear this so often. As soon as somebody flies it, they say, my goodness, this is, this is what I wanted 20 years ago. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, generally, we're going to fly about 800 feet, not at 2,000 feet, 3,000 feet, where you can't see much. At 800 feet, it's great for being very, very nosy. You can see what's happening down below. Now, why can we fly 800 feet? Well, as I said earlier, if the engine quits, which, say, could happen, we've got a good glide ratio. We glide quite well. But our short landing distance means that we can land very safely in a small area and that is the difference. And flying at 800 feet is great fun. And it's really, really interesting. Also, we, as we said, we can use it for touring. Four hours flying. That's longer than most people want to fly anything in one go. Yeah. You generally want to come down for a break. Yeah. The other thing, of course, is there's no wing. Visibility. When people get in it, they can see through the rotors. You can look up. You can look down. You can see sideways. Even in a turn, you can see right through the rotors. Visibility is absolutely amazing so of course you've got no blind spot if anything's coming but of course the best bit about gyros the reason why would you fly a gyro we are hardly affected by turbulence because the rotors are going so fast they're going at say the tips 400 mile an hour it's like a fast jet if a fast jet is going through turbulence it's cutting the air so fast it doesn't feel the turbulence well even though we're bimbling along at 70 mile an hour the rotors are doing a few hundred mile an hour, and they are slicing the air. What does that mean? We don't get affected by thermals, we don't get thrown around by strong winds, and in the British weather, that's really important, and we can fly in wind conditions very, very safely and very, very securely when other forms of light aviation are grounded. What that means 
is we get about 30% more flying days in the UK than our microlight friends. So it sounds great. Sounds like we've found the perfect form of aviation. <laughs> it absolutely is. I'm going to take you flying now and I'm going to show you what I mean. For anyone listening, if you want to fly, you know, gyrocopterexperience.com will give you the details of their closest instructor availability and go fly for yourselves. It's great. When people come down, they have this massive smile on their face. Uh, we call that the gyrocopter grin. Well, thank you very much, Phil. Let's go and uh, see if we can paste the gyrocopter grin on my face. Absolutely. Let's fly. Okay. Well, I'm now on my way home from Ruffeth. What an experience that was. I do indeed have a, a great big grin on my face after that. Uh, I must say it was, uh, I was a little apprehensive about going up for a flight. I've seen gyrocopters fly, but I did have my reservations. Uh, I now understand the principles that keep them airborne, I think, uh, but it still does amaze me. Uh, within a few moments of getting airborne, though, my appreh apprehensions were swept aside. Phil put the gyrocopter into a really tight turn above the airfield, which demonstrated just how manoeuvrable the aircraft was. Uh, we then did some level flight out over the Yorkshire countryside. Uh, it was really, really stable, the aircraft, and the views from the cockpit are incredible. Uh, this particular gyrocopter was the MT-03, which has a tandem open cockpit, uh, a little bit like a flex-wing microlight, but there are enclosed cockpit versions on the way, which do look extremely futuristic. Anyway, back to the flight. As I said, the aircraft is very stable, and as Phil mentioned, doesn't seem to be uh, greatly affected by turbulence. Back over the airfield, and Phil demonstrated the low-speed handling of the aircraft, which was really impressive. He brought the gyro to a, a complete standstill with zero forward airspeed, uh, before showing me how easy it was to do an emergency landing after uh, uh, an engine failure. Uh, with a normal landing roll of uh, just a few metres, Phil then showed me the extremely short landing roll capabilities of a gyrocopter by putting it down virtually uh, with zero landing roll. Uh, pretty incredible. One of the key attractions to me about gyrocopter flight is the possibility of flying relatively low. Uh, without the worry of finding a nice flat empty field that's the size of an aerodrome for my PA-28, you can fly the gyro below a thousand feet where you do indeed get a great view of what's going on below which for me is the biggest attraction of flight. Anyway, uh, I can never really do this experience justice by describing it here. You just have to get yourself a trial flight in a gyrocopter. Uh, and what better place to start than uh, having a look on Phil's website, which is uh, gyrocopterexperience, that's all one word, dot com, gyrocopterexperience.com. Uh, or if you'd like to chat to Phil, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to guide you in the right direction. His phone number is... 0845-643-9476 that's 0845-643-9476 uh, that's it for another episode that's 13 out of the way hope you enjoyed it if you haven't already you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes look for Flying Podcast under Games and Hobbies that's under Podcasts in the iTunes store as usual if you have any comments please drop me a line the email address is steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk I'll speak to you again soon